Hey, Riverbend, happy Sunday to you. It's Andrew here coming to you from my makeshift podcast studio in my living room. Hope the audio's okay. Um, anyways, we had to call this really last minute audible today, not to gather at the Christian Life Amphitheater like we have been over this past month. And the reason for that is we are having some thunder showers today. So um, and in fact, as I'm recording this podcast, I can see the lightning and thunder off in the distance. And um, we just didn't want to expose anyone uh, to these thunder showers or risk anything happening. So uh, as much as we would love to see you face to face, we made the tough call this afternoon to instead record this podcast and encourage each of you to gather in your community or with a group of friends to pray, study the scriptures together, and then celebrate the Lord's table, which we're all going to hopefully sort of guide you through as we go along today. Um, So um, much love to you guys. Thank you for understanding. And you know, here's the thing that's been super inspiring to me over the course of these last several months. We've been in such a unique time as a church, both us as Riverbend, but really the global church is in such a unique time. And through all of the challenges, I have seen the people of Jesus rise up with a ton of creativity, creativity, a ton of inspiration, a ton of innovation. And you guys have been a part of that. I've been super excited to see what God's God's been doing. So the, the most important thing, the main thing that we cannot get distracted from is that Jesus is on his throne. He is reigning as king. And one day, hopefully soon, he's coming back and everything will be as it should be. That is our hope-filled expectation and vision for our future. And so um, despite the social unrest, despite the political situation, despite COVID, despite thunder showers, even uh, fires that are popping up right on the north side of town like it did yesterday, all of that stuff, all of that stuff is all secondary to the main event, which is that Jesus is king. So although gatherings can be canceled, church is never canceled because uh, Jesus is reigning, he's building his church, and we are his people. So I hope that that inspires you as well. Hey, we've got a lot that we're excited about for right now. So whatever you got to do to be fully engaged with this moment, I just want to encourage you to do that now. So let's start with the word of prayer, and hopefully that will sort of Uh, usher us properly into this moment of worship and study. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for showing us what it means to be truly human and for dying on the cross for our sin and for raising from the dead so that we could have this new life and having victory over the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus, thank you for sending the Spirit and anointing us and and giving us your peace and giving us this newfound friendship with you. And Father, we say thank you for adopting us into your family as your sons and your daughters. And we thank you for the hope that we have and, and the promise that you've made that you're coming again and you're making things right. And we choose right now to take our minds and our focus off of the things of this world that might distract us. And we place our 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 gaze and our focus on you, Jesus. We want to learn to be more like you. We want to know your wisdom. We want to know your truth, and we want to be deeply changed by you. So would you be doing the thing that only you can do? Um, uh, Transform our hearts, Jesus, we pray as we uh, turn our attention to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so 
If you've been with us over the past month, you know we're in this sort of recentering mini series on the future of the church in a post-COVID world. What are the things that are rising to the surface as the most essential parts of church? Who is God calling us to be? What does Jesus say? What does the scripture say about the life of the church? And so we've been going through all kinds of things like immersing ourselves in the presence of God through prayer. We've been talking about uh, righteousness and justice. We've been talking uh, about church as family and all of that stuff. And uh, I actually have one more teaching in this series, but since we're not together in person today, I want to save that for next week because it's super important that we sort of experience this together. And that is sharing the gospel. So sharing the gospel is something that has to be at the center of the future of the church, is inviting people into the relationship with Jesus that you and I both have because of the sacrifice he made on the cross and because he rose again. And so anyways, here's here's uh, what we're going to do today instead. We're going to pivot and instead go through a sort of a guided prayer practice together, which um, again, I would love to be doing face-to-face, but we can explore uh, doing this over podcast as well. So um, I had, a, a, in the last couple of hours, I've been talking a lot with Brooke, who's uh, co-pastoring with me here at Riverbend, and you see him every Sunday. Sometimes he plays drums here in a little bit. He's going to be doing a teaching series of his own. Uh, but we really started thinking about just how how eventful the last couple of months have been, and even just the last week here in Bend. Most of you know, I'm sure all of you know at this point, there was a protest that got national attention uh, this week here in Central Oregon. Um, there was a fire yesterday that just sprung up on the north end of town, and some people were on evacuation notice. And um, we've just been noticing with all of those events going on, it just brings a heightened sense of, in some cases, anxiety. And of course, it begs the question, well, how is the church supposed to respond in a cultural moment like the one that we're in? So we're visiting and revisiting this question. And I hope this isn't the first time you've heard me say this. I hope you've heard me say it again and again. We need to be giving Jesus our full and undivided attention, and we need to be immersing ourselves in his presence. And so um, just sort of last minute on the fly, uh, Brooke came up with a guided prayer practice from Philippians 2 um, that is sort of helping us to do that together. So it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, we need to spend time in the presence of God. Oh, yes, we need to give him our full attention. It's another thing to actually do it in practice. And so Brooke came up with what I think is a really great guided practice. You can find it uh, available for download in our Instagram bio. Um, thank you to the whole team for getting that up and ready here in just a couple of hours. That was awesome. And what I want to do with you now is just sort of work through that together. So um, Philippians chapter two, let me just read it for you and then we'll work through it together. Love this passage, by the way. Therefore, Philippians two, one through 11. Therefore, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confessed that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, this is one of my all-time favorite passages in Paul's letters. The first thing to notice right off the bat is the command. Have the same attitude or have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Now, when you boil it all down to the lowest common denominator from a from a super simple perspective, um, this is the primary responsibility of the Jesus follower in a moment like the one that we're having right now with COVID and social unrest and all of it is what does Jesus think about this situation? What is Jesus's heart towards the frontline workers uh, at, um, in this in this pandemic? What what about social unrest? What about race issues and and racial minorities? And what is Jesus's heart about this? And what is what is what does he have for my neighbors and the the ones that 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 are in my life, the ones who are closest to me, my neighbors, my friends, my little circle of influence. What is Jesus's heart and what is his mind? That I believe is the most important thing for us to focus in on. The second thing is notice what his mindset is like. He's others oriented. He's uh, he is thinking not about himself. He's thinking mostly about others. And this is one of the things that I hope to see in the church. Um, And sometimes we see that in the church, we can be just as human as anyone else, but we really have this high calling to, instead of being me-centered, me-focused, what do I think, what do I want, it's like that we would have Jesus' heart, that we'd have his mind, which is all about the other. It's all about facing outwards towards, in particular, the marginalized, the down and out, the people who are on the outside, and he's all about loving them. And so this is our um, grace-filled uh, responsibility to respond to these situations in the same way that Jesus did. He, he was humble. He was others-facing, and he was humble. He became a servant. Uh, he took on the form of a servant, even though he was equal with God. I love this about Jesus. And so I guess one of the things that runs through my mind when I think about this passage is um, where am I entitled or feeling entitled and where can I humble myself to care for the people in my community and to serve them the way that Jesus has served me. And then notice what happens, like this grand paradox, what happens at the end of Paul's sort of manifesto to the character of Jesus. He is obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to have that same kind of obedience, the radical obedience to follow Jesus no matter what it takes. And then verse 9, therefore God exalted him. So he humbled himself. He brought himself low in the language of the scriptures. And 
the Lord exalted him. Remember, this is something that Jesus told us often, that he who uh, humbles himself will be exalted, but he who uh, exalts himself will be humbled. And so we want to be on the right side of that equation. We want to humble ourselves and then, like Jesus, be exalted in the end of days. And every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay, so hopefully that gives a little bit of biblical framework for this now rhythm of prayer. So um, I'm just going to go through these four rhythms that Brooke uh, came up with today, and then uh, we'll go through the rhythms of prayer, and then at the very end, we will actually pray them through together. Okay, so first is the prayer of release. The prayer of release. And this is um, to release your anxieties and, and your worries and your fears for yourself and for your spouse and your friends and your children. Um, and you commit those into the loving arms of God. Now, um, it, just yesterday um, in the evening, we, it was finally cooling down enough to be outside and we were having a barbecue and just enjoying family. And that's when we noticed the smoke on the north end of town. Um, and yeah, many of you know, if you don't know already, that there was a fire, that, that a wildfire that, that popped up really close to town. And so we turned on uh, Deschutes County Dispatch and just was listening to the unfolding situation and planes are flying overhead and helicopters and all of that. And my kids and my nieces and nephews um, got really scared. They were, they were afraid. And uh, so, um, you know, we were trying to talk them down, talk them down, talk them down until finally I could tell that the ambient anxiety in my kids and my nieces and nephews had sort of risen to this level where we really need to commit this to the Lord. And so um, we just went through this really simple prayer practice together. We all sat down at the picnic table and I just led them through very, something very similar to what Brooke has written here. It's to to release our fear and anxiety to the Lord. So we name it, like name that fear. What is that fear? And so we went around the circle and everyone named what they were afraid of. And it's afraid of the dog, afraid of the house, afraid of all of this. And so we're just naming them and we're telling our fears to God. And then after that, I just told them to to remind themselves, what is true about God? What are the true things about God? And they, again, go around the circle. Well, he's He's always with me, that he cares about me, that he sees everything, that he loves me, that he um, is He's with us and all of that. So again, we're going around the circle. And then it was just a very simple time of prayer where we took in deep breaths and released those fears to God. And then we sort of, took another rhythm of prayer of just receiving from the Lord, of just saying, God, what do you want to show us? What do you want to give us? What do you want to tell us in this time where we're afraid? And every single one of them without fail afterwards said, thank you. I, I feel better now that we've prayed. And obviously for our kids, this is something helpful to teach them. But guess what? I haven't graduated from that. Like I kind of needed that prayer time in the same way that my eight-year-old daughter needed that prayer time. Maybe my fears are a little bit better veiled. Maybe my worries are a little bit more complex and nuanced. But guess what? I'm still human and I still have those things as well. And um, when I think about the complexities of what our society is going through as individuals, as, as a church, but also as a society, we're going through so much. So we need to release these cares and cast these cares, as, a, as the scripture says, on the Lord. Another aspect 
of this prayer of release is becoming indifferent. Becoming indifferent to any outcome that's not from God. Um, and that's and that's not the out- outcome that God has. I have to admit, when I'm praying, um, I'm becoming aware of all of my motivations, all of my expectations, all of the things that I want in prayer. And those are okay things to have. Remember, Jesus tells us that we can ask whatever we want in his name, and that's totally okay. But there also comes a point, especially when it comes to things that are outside of our control, like a wildfire popping up on the north end of town, like major societal issues, like COVID-19, like the economic crisis that it seems like we might be sort of headed towards because of all of this. We need to release outcomes and release expectations into the hands of God. He is the one who knows all, understands all, and has power and authority over all. That's what Jesus tells us. He says, you can actually trust in me and have hope because I have all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That was a statement Jesus made in order to give us hope. And so when when we go to the Lord in prayer and we release our fears and anxieties and our expectations and all of that, we are seeing how Jesus um, is taking control and we actually like it that way. And this is what I have to remind myself and my family and my community in prayer is we actually want to say, God, we're not in control. You are. And that's the way that we like it. We want you to be in control. And um, a lot of times that's mostly for us. Those statements and getting to that place in prayer is mostly for us to say, God, I, I, I want I'm you are in control. And this is the way that we like it because we're human we sometimes like to grasp for control, but in reality, we don't sincerely have it. It's in the hands of God. And so the prayer of release is all about releasing those anxieties and accepting and realizing the goodness of God being in control. Uh, Number two, prayer for the hurting. Brooks says that many people groups are in constant state of pain, frustration, and injustice. So let's take a moment individually and as a group to identify different people and people groups that you like to pray for Jesus to come and relieve, right? Um, and, uh, and then he goes on to say here that, that we have to remember that God is a God who fights for the cause of, uh, of the oppressed, and he's all about his kingdom becoming reality. Please, if you missed two weeks ago, we had a long teaching on a biblical crash, crash course on, on justice and righteousness. We have a God who cares for those who are on the outs and who are being oppressed. And so what we want to do in prayer is join God in that quest or in his bringing justice in bringing righteousness to the earth. We're joining God and partnering with God in what he's already doing. And so sometimes when we come to the Lord in prayer, we sort of protest the gap. We say, God, there's so much in this world that is evil and that's not right. And the, the scales of, of, of equity and justice are tipped to favor certain people over others and certain groups over other groups. And we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see every man, woman uh, on, the, on, this, on this planet face uh, equality and justice. Um, so we want to, again, in, uh, remember the trustworthy character of God. And as we pray for the hurting, 
Uh, we trust that God is actually the one who's going to carry out what we ask. And again, all these things are couched in Jesus' teaching of prayer, where he says, um, ask me anything in my name, or ask my Father anything in my name, and he will give it to you. And so we have a sense of confidence and trust in God's care and ability to see things through. That's what this is all about. Uh, number three is uh, what Brooke calls the prayer of intercession. And intercessory prayer uh, is the purifying bath into which the individual and the fellowship must enter into every day. That's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a 20th, 20th century uh, German theologian stood up to um, the, uh, the Nazis during World War II. Um, and so um, what we're encouraged to do here is to make a list of those people in, in leadership, in our family, in our church, in our city, and to begin to pray for them in every way the Holy Spirit brings to your imagination. Be specific because specific prayers receive specific answers. Man, I love this one. Um, we have sometimes reduced prayer down into just a list of things that we want, right? And so we have spent a lot of time over the last several years actually giving a lot of teachings on prayer um, so that we're not just approaching God like a genie in a bottle or some sort of cosmic genie. Uh, but that being said, God wants to hear our requests in particular when they're about those in our life that we deeply love and care for and where we need God to move with power, where, we, where we're letting God be God and, we're, and we know he's in this position of power and we're trusting him that he is going to, again, come through. And I love this line, specific prayers receive specific answers. And the reason for that, of course, is because um, sometimes we pray in the abstract, um, but Brooke here is encouraging us, and I would second this, let's pray specific prayers. So what do you want to see changed in our culture? What do you want to see changed for your family? What do you want to see changed in the church? What do you want to see changed on a global level with the people of Jesus? Be specific. Write those things down, and then, um, and then allow the Spirit to bring things to your imagination. That's prayer of intercession. And then finally, radical prayer. Karl Barth writes this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Now, these words are highly theological, but they're super practical. So if you're familiar um, with biblical language, you know that um, um, God is the one who brings order out of chaos. That's kind of wrapped up in the origin story, the cosmology of the planet, according to the scriptures, that God is making order out of chaos. And so at Karbar's point is that as we pray, we are joining God in that work. In fact, that's actually the cultural mandate that we would, um, that one of the first commands that God gives us in the scriptures is that we would participate in the flourishing of all creation, not just ourselves, not just, you know, get it, you know, do what's best for me to get ahead. It's actually much more about the flourishing of all creation. It's a collectivist vision that God has for the whole planet to be under his loving and peaceful rule. And as we pray radical prayers, we see that come to reality. So, um, Radical prayer refuses to let us stay on the fringes of life, life's great itch, itch, issues. It dares us to believe that things can be 
different. It, its aim is total transfer, transformation of persons, institutions, and societies. So the encouragement here is to take a couple of minutes in silence and to ask the Spirit what is something radical that He might be asking you to pray. And make a note of it and being full of faith, ask, seek, and knock on the doors of heavens for His change. And I love this so, so much. Reason being is that very often my prayers are not large enough. They're not focused enough on how big God really and truly is. And so sometimes I've heard the complaint that prayer is often boring. And the reason for that, I'm convinced, is not because God is boring or because prayer isn't powerful, but it's because our expectations in prayer are just way too low. We need to have God-sized everything, God-sized uh, a vision in prayer. Um, and so that's what we're going to do together. So so that, that covers the four rhythms of prayer. So what I'd like to do now is to just take a couple minutes and pray together. And then if you're in your community or with a group of friends or maybe even just with your family, after this podcast is over, you can take several moments and go through these rhythms of prayer, maybe once or twice or maybe even more than that. And we're going to cry out for, to God to move with power in our day and in our time. Are you guys with me on that? Man, things just got kind of dramatic here. I'm sitting by myself in my living room, but I'm starting to see hail and lightning and thunder. It's all coming down now. This is nuts. But um, anyways, it's this is great. So let's let's go ahead and pray together. So Father, we approach you now with a greater sense of expectation, knowing that you love us and you love this world. You want to see your kingdom come here, and so do we. So we settle into this time of prayer, trusting that you're going to move. So the first rhythm of prayer is uh, the prayer of release. What are the things that you're holding on to? What are your fears, your worries? Just go ahead and let those come to the surface because this is actually safe. In the presence of God, you're actually safe. Just one by one, as you're able to name those fears, worries, anxieties, release them to God. Might be helpful is to just imagine yourself carrying those things as like heavy, heavy weights and throwing them down at the feet of Jesus. It's a little cliche, I know, but it's a helpful image for me as I'm releasing my anxieties and fears. So let go of them and choose to trust in and look to the character of God. What's true about him? What's true about Jesus? God, we pray that you would remind us of the things about yourself that you want us to know. Reveal your heart to us. Now we're going to pray for the hurting. We're going to pray for the hurting. So as you know, there's all kinds of different people groups and individuals, families that you may know very personally or maybe not so much personally, but you know about. I just want you to, as those people come before your mind or as those people groups come before your mind, I just want you to pray for them.
God, we cry out against injustice, against the hurt and the pain that's caused by evil and corruption. Our heart goes out to our brothers and sisters of color, to our friends in the law enforcement community and in the local government who are trying to love well in this time. God, we pray also against the uh, social structures that exist that might be oppressing different people groups, and we just cry out to you. We just pray, would your kingdom come in this situation? Number three, prayers of intercession. So this is getting from the abstract and the general to the very specific. So just make a list of the people in your mind or on paper if you have your journal out. Who are the people in leadership in your family, in the church, in the city, in the nation God is leading you to pray for? Remember to be specific because specific prayers receive specific answers. And finally, radical prayer. So this one, in truth, would take a bit more time. And again, the purpose of this rhythm of prayer is to right-size our prayers. To think about the power of God the immense power of God and have our prayers match that power. Ask for big things. Ask for big specific things. Jesus, I pray that you would bring a widespread awakening to the gospel about Jesus. That there would be many hundreds, maybe even thousands of people in our city, in 2020, who come to faith in you, King Jesus. I also pray for the intense, polarized, cultural moment that we're living in. I pray for a deeper capacity for us to have empathy for each other, to come towards each other rather than fight with each other. We turn to you We ask for your grace and mercy that we would be able to do this, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys. I know doing that kind of rhythm of prayer over a podcast is something not very many of us are used to. Um, But again, it's a new time. It's a new day. And we're trying new things. Um, and we hope that you're sincerely blessed by this. Again, I'd encourage you to take some time now if you can and just go through that rhythm a couple of more times. That way you won't have my voice kind of talking at you while we're doing it, and you're just really focused. It's you and God. It's you, your community, and the Lord, and that's it. Um, Another thing that we'd encourage you to do is to uh, grab a bottle of wine if you have it and if you're safe to drink and uh, some crackers or some bread and take the Lord's Supper together. Remember the Lord's Supper. Remember what Jesus did. 
And every day, every every week, we, we want to center around what, what Jesus has done. Jesus told us to do it often in remembrance of him. So I want to encourage you to do that now. We love you guys, and we cannot wait to see you actually face-to-face next week, Christian Life Center at 5 p.m. Grace and peace.